Hi guys, welcome to the Break the Chain podcast. I'm here today with Samantha Doyle. Samantha's a real life Wonder Woman. She's the mother of four. She's a, a yoga therapist, an Ayurvedic wellness coach, and she's the founder of Live to Serve Academy. She's known for her gentle, simple, and effective approach to behavior change. So thank you so much for coming on the show to make today, Samantha. Thanks for having me. Um, can you please tell, like, kind of tell us your story? Because it's absolutely fascinating. I know that it has so many different facets. Um, and, and I think that it will be just unbelievably inspiring to kind of start from, um, you know, fairly early on. Yeah. So my background and how I got into health and the work that I do now was I started having problems from age 13, 14. Um, my family had been through a bit of a breakdown. Um, I was a gymnast and a straight A student at the time. And I think I didn't have the capacity to cope with my feelings, my emotions, um, what was happening in my world around me and developed the beginning of an eating disorder at age 14. So that's when things started to really shift and change in my life in a way that was quite destructive. Um, and then from age 15, it was raves regularly, drugs, alcohol, boys. Um, at such a young age, it's a lot of buildup to cope with. Um, so I found that the emotional disruptions that I had in my early teen years just began to compound over and over, like more and more. Um, and then adding in some of the mental health complexities that come with an eating disorder. Um, I just got to breaking point at about, I'd say age 18 or 19. And it was, I mean, there's so many, as you mentioned, there's so many fun facets to this story, but for the sake of, you know, keeping it succinct for the podcast, um, I basically knew that I had, issues with my mental health. And as much as I reached out for help, this was about 15 years ago and 15, 16 years ago when the internet wasn't in our pockets. You couldn't just doctor Google things. Um, our parents didn't know about mental health. They didn't grow up with that conversation. So we, I think our generation kind of went in this no man's land where there wasn't access to information. Our parents weren't trained in that way, but the internet, social media was coming into our lives. Or there was a whole big transitional thing happened that it was hard to get help. It was hard to have people understand when you're putting your hand up saying, I'm not okay. I need help. Um, there wasn't anything, there wasn't things to plug into. So um, I remember just finding it really hard to get help and then, what every time I couldn't get help, I just sort of the grip of my mental health stuff just became tighter. So exercise addiction became a thing. Drugs became more intense. Uh, my social circles became more intense and, and not, not healthy. Um, my final breakdown lowest point was I was working in a strip club here on the Gold Coast um, and just heading in that direction. I started as a bartender, applied to be a dancer. And it was that night that I was really like, is this, is this where my life is going? But at that point, I just thought I can't, I just can't, I'm, what is my life? I had no sense of what a self or worth or anything. So I may as well make a shit ton of money, you know, in one night as opposed to whatever else I might be doing. Um, and that night I ended up self-harming bad enough that I ended up in the emergency ward. 
my mom flew up to help me from Sydney. And again, she just didn't really get it. She didn't have the, she's just had not experienced anything like that herself. She didn't have the capacity to understand or, or help at that time. Um, and then that fear of staying there and not getting the help that I needed made me question everything even more. And I was actually like just ready to give up on life in general and ended up back in the emergency ward from self-harming a couple of weeks later. Um, and that's when my whole family sort of just intervened. My mom came up and flew me down to Sydney and I went into a private clinic, uh, for a month. And then that's when my whole life kind of changed. But through that, through all of that unraveling, um, it was just like this constant battle for survival. It felt like with my life. And then I had lost my menstrual cycle, which for a woman is just like such a symptom of ill health. You know, when your body starts shutting down vital organs and going, you know, uh, so I went to the doctor and found out that I had polycystic ovary syndrome and the way that the doctors delivered that to me, a female doctor shared with me, Oh, you know, so you've got cysts all over your ovaries. You've got hormones all over the place. You'll probably never have children. So just be prepared for that. And at 19, when I already had an eating disorder, I was questioning my self-worth and then, oh, and you, you probably won't have children just FYI. Okay, next, you know, and then it was just this compounding feeling like, why am I even here? Who's going to want me? I'm a broken woman. What, what even is this? Um, but yeah. So I think, you know, it just, it just became overwhelming and, um, I didn't have anything in my life that gave me this sense of purpose or direction in my life. You know, if I kept going with the social circle that I was in, it was, you know, the idea is that you acquire a lot of money and you have nice things and you go out on the weekends and you party and you have friends that was like the summation of people's life and they were happy. And I was like, what's wrong with me that I'm not happy doing this? Like, where yeah. is the happiness? I'm freaking out because I'm not feeling happy doing this. And it just felt like there was no other option because I transferred myself from Sydney out of that, landed on the Gold Coast. And I was like, wow, this is just what it's like everywhere. Is this life? If this is life, I don't, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, and it was kind of through that questioning process that I, by chance, was on a walk one day on the Gold Coast with my discman listening to Wild FM <laughs> back in the day when we had CDs. And um, it was like I, I was walking past this yoga center here on the Gold Coast and it was like a brick, an invisible brick wall hit me. And I turned to look and it was this one tiny door that leads upstairs to the yoga center. You'd miss it if you weren't looking for it. Pulled a timetable and thought, oh, yoga, meditation. I haven't tried that. I've fucking tried everything else. Let me try this. I've heard it's good for stress relief. I'm going to go. And I just had this really excited feeling like, okay, I can't wait to go. And one Tuesday morning, which was the class I could go to, I'd been up working in the, in the strip club all night, <laughs> go home, jump in the water because I live by the ocean, wait for the class and then go and attend the class. And as soon as I got there, I was just like, okay, something about this, this place feels like home and the people were warm and friendly. I absolutely, being an ex-gymnast too, 
the practice of the asanas, it just felt like, ah, oh, finally, like I can, this is, this is speaking my language. I love this. And, um, Amy, my teacher, who's also a very good friend of mine, still always will hold a special place in my heart. She would read from yoga scripture at the end of, end of class, just one or two texts. And the words that she spoke were to, you know, the nature of the mind or use of the senses and incorrect use of the senses. And, um, it just, it was like, finally I was going, these are the questions that I've been asking. I've been, feel like I've been knocking on doors, asking all these questions about the mind and what's the point of life and why, what's this deal with my senses driving to do these things that I don't want to do? How do I overcome that? Um, and yeah, just the wisdom that she was sharing really unlocked something inside of me. And I just went back every Tuesday, every Thursday morning was just like, didn't matter. I, I actually confess that sometimes I had been drinking the night before at the club and would still go <laughs> getting up the stairs going, Hmm, probably shouldn't be here, but can't miss this. You know, I think that's, um, in, that's important, isn't it? Because uh, sometimes we feel, and I've, I've been in that situation as well, where I, I haven't gone because I'm just too ashamed. Whoa, I'm that, so sorry. What was that? That was that sounded like a like a real accident. That is, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen is who are listening live? to this. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, they're listening to it. We have just had an accident. What's happened? <laughs> it's all good. It's that light that I was fiddling around with so much. It's good. Are we safe? Safe. <laughs> <laughs> we are live. Please don't say fuck or bugger. Uh, anyway, and we will carry on. Um, <laughs> It's, we'll carry on. Not, if we're safe, uh, we're I mean, safe. Is, it, is it alive or? It's, it's, let's just go without that light because it's not doing me. It's causing more problems than it's worth. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's, in, it's, it's hard to kind of overcome that shame. I've been like far too ashamed to go in. Like if I've been like, you know, when I was, when I, when I started doing the yoga and I'd like used drugs or something at the weekend and it's mm. like, you know, you've you've, ju- you've just got to kind of keep keep going. It. I, I, I remember hearing someone saying like, if you feel, if you don't feel anxious around really materialistic people who are materialistic in the sense that they're not not practicing spiritual life, not in a judgmental way, um, and they're drinking all the time and using drugs, and you feel comfortable there, you've got a problem. Yeah. Because and you feel anxious around these people who aren't doing that, who are living a healthy life, doing yoga and stuff, and you feel anxious around those people, you've got a problem. Mm. You want you want to feel anxious around the people who are who are Materially, drinking yeah. and, and, and comfortable around the around the people who are living a, a, a life of goodness. Uh, and, and and I always found it really once I heard that and I started like paying attention to that. I started feeling comfortable around people who are drinking, and I was like, "It's a thermometer." Yeah, I feel yeah. like shit. I need to, I need to change something here. I need to start heading back in a. You can get quite sensitive to that, can't you? Yeah, yeah, and I think there is that, like you said, that the shame or the guilt when you step into a place where it's yoga and meditation, and you think this is for people who are healthy, are into yoga. And it's actually not, it's like, it's the medicine, it's the therapy for the people who are suffering, who are lonely, who are empty, who are struggling with all these heavy things that we're all dealing with. This is, this is where you go to get back in touch with your inner sanctuary. The physical place itself, the people itself are just part of the process. They're not the thing. It's, it's, you know, and I think it's a really nice step of surrender for our false ego if we can go, yep, I'm not perfect. I'm not, it's not about being up here. It's about getting in contact with these things that we absolutely need to be able to break away from 
the material world and the drive of lust and addiction and, and the overwhelming energy that exists in our environment. So, so yeah, it was, it was yoga and meditation that was finally like, okay, this is a massive missing piece of my puzzle and I'm finding so much solace in this wisdom. And then I was declaring to the universe at that time, I was just like, I don't know what this is, but it's, I know that there's something bigger and I just knew it was just like this. Okay. This all make for the first time in my life, this makes sense. And yeah, I just thought this is what I want now. And so, you know, when you declare something like I am going to, and then all the, the whole world implodes in on you and you absolutely just have a breakdown and just can't, <laughs> that's how I ended up in hospital. Like a, a quantum, um, a quantum trying to do a quantum leap. Yeah. Trying to do a quantum leap and you end yeah. up just having a, in a healing crisis where, you know, and from a coaching perspective, we say first comes the breakdown, then comes the breakthrough. Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom that to the point where you're like, okay, I have to find a new way out of here. And you start asking different questions because you're so low and you feel so down and you start questioning things in a different way. And, um, it can be the best thing ever, especially if you're in contact with, you know, that healing power of mantra, um, where you can start to get internal in touch with internal guidance in a, in a much more direct way to start your path and you in a new direction. Um, so, so yeah, yoga meditation was a big, big part of my new direction in life and what helped me heal. Um, and another element from the health aspect was discovering Ayurveda. And that was something that I came across after the doctor that the GP told me, you know, you've got polycystic ovary syndrome, just put this hormone cream on your arm. You, they don't know what causes it. You probably won't heal it. Uh, you probably won't fall pregnant, but just keep going with the hormones. That's all we can really offer you. And I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> and then my mental health doctors, the psychiatrist and psychologist told me, Nobody ever really fully recovers from an eating disorder. You just learn to manage it better, okay? You just learn to manage the symptoms and get on with your life. And I'm like, you tell people that? Like, far out, okay. I nearly just swore then. I didn't. Saved it. Um, yeah, don't, do it. don't say fuck all, bugger. We're live. <laughs> we should have talked about these things before. <laughs> uh, beforehand. But um, anyway, so so these these were things that I contemplated on and upon and I had issues with and it took me a few weeks of wallowing in I guess it was grieving just going wow is this really my lot in life at 19 years old is this really going to be the rest of my life and my options were suicide accepting where I was at and just sticking with that diagnosis and just doing the cream on the arm and just staying with my eating disorder or I looked at my, I just self-assessed for a moment and I was like, okay, I hardly sleep because I'm working in clubs all night long. I take drugs every weekend and drink alcohol, like massive amounts of alcohol. I barely eat. And if I do eat, I, you know, some quite often bring it up. Um, I over-exercise. What if I ate some food, got some sleep? Surely that would help. And so when I came across this book on Ayurveda um, and, it, and it explained that, you know, often diseases are just an accumulation of those sorts of things, lifestyle imbalances, chronic imbalance of energy and, um, and toxins in the body to the point where your body starts freaking out going, you need to make a change, you need to make a change. So through the process of Ayurvedic 
lifestyle. So I didn't, I didn't have any money. You know, I was just coming out of rehab. I had no money. Uh, I couldn't go do any fancy detoxes. I couldn't afford to go to an Ayurvedic doctor. I just literally did what they told me to do in the book to get back into balance. And a year and a half later, I was married to married and, um, I had a job, a really great job. I was studying yoga and Ayurveda because I was just like, this is, I want to learn more. Like, this is amazing. Um, and then found out that I was pregnant too. I actually had my first child 18 months after the doctors told me I would never have children. So within 18 months, I was off all meds, off all hormones, happy, still recovering. Like there was still a lot of work to do mentally and emotionally um, because eating disorders just do take time, like any kind of addictive behavior, take time to heal. Um, But I couldn't believe it. I was like, in 18 months, the things that they told me would never change have significantly changed (laughs) with with like obvious results. And and so now, um, you know, 10 years later, a mother of four, just no miscarriages, no relapses with my mental health. You know, it, it took, I would say, honestly, I had an eating disorder solid, like quite chronically for eight years. And I would say that it really took me probably six to seven years to actually fully heal it and overcome the residual stuff that comes with it mentally and emotionally. Um, but yeah, so we're like 16 years out of 16 years out of rehab now. And yeah, good times. It's funny how your your story has so many similarities to mine. I feel like I feel like my my addiction when it was kind of like kind of I don't know if chronic's the word, but it was really bad. It was kind of like eight yeah eight to ten years, and I mm. I do feel like it took me seven to eight years to kind of get to I, I'd say seven years to get to the point where I even said like I'll never ever do drugs or alcohol again. Mm. Uh, and, and one and I think one of the things it's kind of like you know when they're saying like you never really recover. I, I, it's interesting because I think you recover in the sense where it's like, you can feel really good again. That's mm. a, you, that's possible. You can feel, you can stop craving drugs and alcohol. And I have. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you can get over the, the eating disorder side of that as well. But I think that one of the senses that, that I don't take lightly when it says in the sense, the way that I don't recover is in the sense like, I can't do certain things anymore in certain ways. I have to be very careful. I can't go hang out down the pub. Vulnerabilities. Yeah, I'm, I'm still, I remain vulnerable for the rest of my life, I'm sure, in, in, in areas. Yeah. But I, I feel think, great. And yeah. I've sac- I have made sacrifices and I'm aware, you know, there has to be, I had to be aware of those things. And that's a, yeah. life, a lifelong decision. Yeah, yeah. And I think like what, what shifted my... Uh, I think what I did personally was I shifted what it meant to be to, to recover. And instead of it being like, Oh, you're going to recover. You're not going to have these symptoms anymore. I shifted it away from that because when I started working with people, um, with, with their health and as a health practitioner diving into this stuff with a variety of different people over the past decade and seeing the common universal issues, whether it's addiction, alcoholism, um, you know, more socially acceptable, uh, complex behavioral patterns, food, emotional eating, those sorts of things. There's often universal issues underneath, whether it's been trauma or pain or, um, loneliness, emptiness, trying to fill up on trying to cover something, right. Something that's unbearable. Boredom is another big one. Um, so instead of thinking like, Oh, I'm going to recover 
what does that even mean to where what's what's the goalpost from a yogic and yoga therapy perspective recovering the true self that's that's because you're never going to be separate from you you're never going to not have drama in your life you're never going to be free from the you're you're always susceptible to the influence of material nature lust greed um Thomas, you know, mode of ignorance, mode of passion, desire to fulfill my own ambitions, depending on who you hang out with, where you hang out, what you're eating, what you're consuming, the situations that you put yourself in are going to impose influence on us. So yeah, like it's, we're all susceptible to falling down in some way and, and regressing in our life in ways, um, And I think the gift of having experienced that is realizing how vulnerable you are and having to do the work and face up to some of the weaknesses that we have is actually quite a wonderful gift because you do start to sober up in life, so to speak, whereas people who aren't don't get to face, like don't get put in that really dire situation can sort of superficially live their whole life and never really go deeper or question life or, you know, question any weaknesses that they might have. They just keep going, keeping up with the Joneses. Um, But yeah, don't really get to experience what's really going on internally, which I think we all, it's like from a yogic perspective, we we're here in this material world and we suffer in so many ways. And it's, it's really a question of what is our life all about? What are we trying to recover? What is recovery? What's the ultimate goal? Where does real happiness lie? Where can we find meaning and purpose? And anything outside of self-discovery and recovering the true self does tend to be just shifting around material nature in different ways to feel comfortable for a little while before another wave of material life suffering hits in some way. And then we shuffle things around a little bit to try and get comfortable. But um, I think the key to recovery is to realize that it it is about starting to think a little bit deeper on identity, purpose, meaning, direction of my life that allows you to build resilience and a deeper understanding of what your life is actually all about and behaving accordingly so that you're not constantly in this washing machine of of life. So we all have vulnerabilities, which is is good and, and true, but um, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think addiction and mental health problems for me were just such a, a blessing and I'm so grateful because they showed me that, that that there was a deeper problem and that it wasn't the drugs and that the drugs were an expression of of a, of a much deeper thing. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, drugs were me trying to annihilate reality and trying to, you know, and, and a desperate attempt at trying to feel good and, and they'd caused me to compl- be completely self-focused my priorities were out of order. Drugs took the number one position. Mm. They took the position before everything else. And they showed me that I was powerless to an energy outside of myself. I, I, I was, it showed me that I could be overwhelmed by something to the point where I could no longer make a decision. And, yeah. and, then, and then it shows you as well, uh, you know, when obviously finding out about, you know, the, the material energy and that there's a pr- energy, d- different energies pervading, pervading us basically and, and the world one of them's material of them, one of them spiritual and then understanding that if you choose to serve your your body's and mind's desires you will be subjected to the material energy and you actually mm. don't have control of yourself and your decision making mm-hmm. or you can choose to 
redirect that to a your to a spiritual uh, redirect your life in, into a spiritual direction, and then you can actually make a choice. Mm. And you have to make the sacrifices because you can't be selfish and go in the spiritual direction. Which for me, and uh, like I'm sure that I, I'm interested to know what rehab was like, but it was interesting, you know, going through this process and being like, and then. I felt exactly the same as you. Like I had the same. I found yoga and meditation through sheer desperation. Not a spiritual person. I don't do spiritual stuff. I like punk and techno, and mm. and, and making jokes at other people's expensive. That's my life. That's my life. I'm not Similar. a spiritual person. Yep. Like and then, and then, club. Yeah. And then, yeah, 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 and and yeah, and you know, I'm from the same scene as you. You know, like I, you know, I know mm. loads of strippers back at home, and I, I know what the whole scene's all about. Mm. It's uh, it's a pretty moody scene, and it's full of self-deprecating sense of humor, and have laughs at other people's expensive drugs, uh, and and just lost basically and it's it's pretty miserable scene and you know i i definitely wasn't a spiritual person and then but i got to the my breaking point was far far beyond the whole drug thing it was actually when i was sober and when i realized that i had nothing left to try and do apart from kill myself was the Mm. only place direction i could go from where i was Mm. and someone's like do you want to go to a yoga meditation retreat i'm like wouldn't hurt would it yeah. probably probably all right do you reckon might be a bit might chill me out a little bit i don't know and i went and the whole singing thing and i was like these lots they're singing <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is going on in this place and then mm. and then you know and and, and it's not and that, that took me a little while to get into that because i was such a uh so full of pride and 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 so uh uh, self so-called self self-conscious uh but the, when i heard the, the 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 wisdom the vedic wisdom the yoga wisdom mm. i was like it felt like a dry sponge sucking up information that i'd just been gagging for desperate mm. and i realized that i'd been you know completely desolate and and, and void of any any life i was dead mm. walking i was walking dead the walking dead already and, yeah. and man it's just unbelievable and Mm. I'm pleased that I got to be that desperate so that I could find that because if my life had been kind of okay, I'd still think that I didn't have a problem and that everybody doesn't have a problem. And yeah, if I, you know, if you're enjoying your life, fine, whatever, but like yeah. I, I can see, and I'm sure you can see and, and, and anybody who's, who kind of can, can see is like, you know, like life is empty. Stuff is empty. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And yeah, it's, 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 incredible like so for people that might be listening now you know that breakdown that were that you might be in struggling with addiction or alcoholism or whatever it is that you're going through the desperation the emptiness loneliness um whatever your addiction is masking underneath that you know it's it's really a doorway into spirituality and a doorway that you can walk through at any you've got nothing to lose like that that's the cool thing like you were just saying you know you're at that point where you're like you get invited to a yoga retreat and it's like well fuck what, I've got nothing to lose I may as well go <laughs> you know and I actually that was one of my massive turning points too was um I so I went to yoga for six months before I ended up in hospital and I got into hospital and because I was in the eating disorder ward, exercise was banned. I was like, okay, right. So I'm going to be in here for at least four to six weeks, zero exercise. Doesn't seem healthy, but okay. Um, Wasn't allowed to take my yoga mat in. 
because that's a no, no, no. You are not allowed to do that because we all had exercise. Like a lot of us had exercise addictions to try and, you know, whatever, burn off calories or whatever it might be, punish ourselves. Um, And the food that we ate was hospital food. So you're talking girls that are, it was a female ward, girls that are scared of food, not have a healthy relationship with food. And we were being fed hospital grade, cheesy lasagnas, Snickers bars, Mars bars, triple layer egg and lettuce, white bread sandwiches with the crusts cut off, um, spaghetti bolognese. And I was a vegetarian. I was like, I'm a vegetarian. I'd been a vegetarian since I was 12. So when I found yoga, I was like, these are my people. (laughs) So many people were vegetarian. Um, And they said to me, they tried to say to me, that's part of your eating disorder. You'll eat what you served. And I was just like, I'm a vegetarian. You got to provide. And so that was the one stipulation. I could surrender to everything else in there, but I was like, I'm not going there. Um, So anyway, I was confused. I was, I, having dabbled in health for that six months before I ended up there and, and experienced, you know, I went sugar-free for a little while. I went drug-free, sugar-free, alcohol-free for a month. And absolutely my whole vibrancy was just like, I changed my life changed so much. Um, but you know, as you said, it's just like one vulnerable woman and everything comes unstuck, but I'd felt the difference of eating healthy whole foods and staying away from things that triggered eating disorder behaviors or drug, drug use and, um, felt amazing. And so when I was looking at this whole setup in the hospital, obviously they have specialists in there. It was fantastic. The group therapy, great. Like, you know, fantastic. The whole process, I could see how it works and it's Was this rehab or just the hospital? Well, it was a, it was a private mental health hospital in Sydney I won't mention the name. It doesn't, it was, I think it was like 25 grand to be in there per month. And it was, yeah, they had the specialist. So they had four floors. It was like drugs, eating disorder, alcoholism. And then there was, I think like all of the utilities down the bottom. So we often had people wandering from the two, like mad hatters wandering through our wards. It was crazy. It was it was very eye opening to be in amongst. It's just like you see in the movies. The that, stuff that, yeah, the stuff that happens at night, the self harm, the the screaming, the crying, the breakdowns, the mental outbreaks, the escaping, um, the the screams of torture, the isolation. We were the triggering of each other, the competition between who's more mental, and I was just like, whoa! I had really done quite a bit of damage to my arm in those weeks leading up to getting there. And I was, I had to wear long sleeve at all times because it was triggering for the other girls showing, showing my arm. And so for me being completely isolated for, I'd moved out of home when I was 16, traveled the world, living on the Gold Coast, like didn't really have people around. Nobody really knew what I was going through. I didn't know anyone else going through it. So to be in amongst a whole like 30 people where it was like, whoa, this is, it just, for me, it was like, okay, do you really want your life to be like this? There were some girls that had been in there for years and didn't want to recover because they had no reason to recover. So it was really, I think just the shock of being in there and seeing what my life could be like if I didn't do something to change was really uncomfortable for me, which was a really good motivator. And I, I it was about two weeks in that all the refeeding, like actually eating, and they forced you to sleep, forced you to rest. Um, it was constant monitoring. And 
I started to feel better. Like I felt so much more grounded because I'd been eating and sleeping alone and being cared for was another thing as well. Just the nurses made my bed every day. There was always people to talk to. There was girls to hang out with. I didn't have to work. Like there were things about it that were just so great. And I could not have done that on my own. And, um, one day in group therapy where I was feeling more grounded, I told my doctors that I wanted to stop taking meds. I really wanted to, while I was in the hospital, try and wean off it and see what it felt like while I was under supervision. And, um, I just started seeing things differently. I was just like, Oh my God, you know, like hearing people suffering every day in group therapy, just hearing it over and over again, I just decided it was like, it was actually like this feeling came over me. It was like this electric goosebumpy feeling of having read in the Bhagavad Gita about karma yoga and about being of service. Um, it just all of a sudden clicked in me. I was like, I was, I've wasted my life up until this point. I was going to take my own life. Like what even I'm at that point in my life where I'm like, I'm not doing anything anyway. <laughs> like why don't I use my life in service? Like, why don't I try and help people at least? Like, surely that's better than suicide. And so I was just like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help people. And so, yeah, I just, I felt really strongly, like if I can find a way to heal myself, because the whole yoga thing makes a lot of sense. The whole Ayurveda thing makes a lot of sense. This whole Western approach makes a lot of sense. What if we like brought them all together that would feel more complete. I wonder if that could really help people. And so that was sort of what inspired me to pick up study and to really work on myself was that dangling carrot of, I really want to be able to help others. Um, I've got nothing to lose. Like, let's just do this. And integrating all of those things over a few years, just bred, bred such amazing results for myself. And so that's how I ended up getting into the work that I do do now, which is based around helping people, um, create an integrated healing process, plus getting the help that they need with their health, um, and coaching behavior change type processes with yoga therapy to just help them sort of have a bit of a plan and a strategy and the support to move forward. So, so yeah, anyway, that's, that's, that's the whole story. And, and, um, yeah, just so grateful that I did go through all that. Like, like you said, like, it's actually so much insight comes out of it really. And so many people need help with this stuff. Like it's all pretty universal stuff, whether you're aware of it or not, the pains of this world, we all experience. And at some point <laughs> we all come to a point where we think, well, hopefully we all come to a point where we question our existence and think what's, what's the actual situation here. It's yeah, a good I, thing to do. Yeah. I think, I think it's a really important thing to be, to be doing is trying to bridge those, um, you know, so-called Eastern uh, philosophies with with what we've kind of got, you know, the more science-based approach that we've got in the West at the moment. And it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, I can't help. I mean, a lot of these mental health problems that we've got are kind of quite new things uh, and it's getting worse and it's spiraling mm. out of control. And I have to look, mm. look and think, it's like, what's going on? It's kind of like you've watched the kind of abolishment of of re religion almost entirely, certainly in the UK, um, I imagine that's going on in Australia. New Zealand's got hanging on a little bit, but it's, it's really happening. You can feel that uh, mm. that materialistic energy 
kind of like sort of um, take, taking over and, uh, and and it kind of wiping out religion. And, and you know, mm. I know I know a lot of people have problems with, uh, you know, what's been done on, in the name of the church uh, and, and so on. And I, I see those things as problematic. But I think we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater mm. because people used to go and see a priest when they had a problem. And they were able to kind of educate them on more spiritual things and give them uh, qualitative things to do, like focus on respect and uh, and and being fundamentally being more loving um, and not being angry and you know mm. all those things which. Uh, and the whole world's telling us, you know, you're the centre of everything. You deserve to be happy. It's all about yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the more the world's telling us that, the more that we're all kind of suffering. So I think that. Mm. You know, I don't necessarily. It's not even necessarily that it's just an Eastern thing, is it? It's kind of like no, we need to, we need to save spiritual values, and because they're the things that unify us all and mm. and, and bring about connection, and we're, we're losing it, and we're feeling alone and empty because of that. I think. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Can Can you tell us a, um, a little bit about? Because I, I know that the mode of goodness is something that you that you kind of have to try and uh, and live by in order to maintain your mental health and uh, and, and stability uh, to, to a degree can you kind of lay out uh, in as basic as you possibly can terms uh, what the modes of material nature are please and how we can aim for a mode of goodness lifestyle please yeah. Okay. So, so this is really something that changed my life a lot. And it's something that I, this science is something that I utilize with my self services a lot, because I think it's a huge missing piece of the puzzle as far as understanding why we do what we do. Um, so both like in Ayurveda, it's recognized as Triguna. So the three um, energies or attributes in the Bhagavad Gita and yogic science, they're called the Mahagunas, the great energies. And that's Sattva, the mode of goodness, Rajas, the mode of passion, and Tamas, the mode of ignorance. And the idea is that, and forgive me for my clumsy <laughs> expression of this, but the idea is that these three energies – govern the world that we live in. They govern the universe. And um, whether we are aware of it or not, these energies are governing our mind-body complex. And that's like the influence of why we are attracted to certain tastes, certain foods, why we're attracted to certain kinds of content. The behaviors that we engage in, the thought processes that we have are coming under the influence or are triggered from this influence of these three energies. So for example, uh, and these energies are at play in material energy. So your environment that you exist in, the food that you eat, the content that you, that you consume, the conversations that you have, the people that you associate yourself with um, are all governed by these energies. And um, the more you consume or the more you're in contact with that energy, one of those energies, the more you will experience it and be influenced by it. So, for example, if somebody's under the influence of tamas, which we can all relate to, the mode of ignorance, they're more likely, they're most likely living a lifestyle that is out of sync with nature. So instead of sleeping in the night, they're up maybe playing video games under this kind of like zoom zombie mode, not very conscious. Um, 
they're eating frozen pizza, ramen, um, getting up at 10 o'clock in the morning, stumbling out into the kitchen, getting the cold pizza off the top of the stove, nom, 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 that's what they eat. Then they go back and sleep, might have a chuff while they're there, you know, just like really covered. Um, And when you're in that state, you want more food. Like you enjoy the taste of mode of ignorance food. You enjoy the taste of processed, dull, non-living foods. Um, And what that does to our consciousness is puts us in a dull delusional state. So your relationships are most likely a little bit, I was going to use the word toxic. I think that's overly used, but you'll have challenges in relationships. You'll um, be in a position where you think you're naming and shaming and blaming. Everything is everybody else's fault and poor you and victim me and you know, you can't forgive holding on to stuff you into this like poisonous, toxic state. And so your consciousness is kind of just like clouded by that. It becomes like a fog that you can't see that you're in, but then you start to behave from this influence. You behave from that influence. You make decisions from that influence. You relate to other people from that influence. Somebody that's more under the mode of passion will be more likely driven to look good, feel good, have ambitions, drive, um, bordering on aggressive, um, a little bit self-involved. So it's better than that delusional state, but still there's this unrest there because they're so driven to achieve, to, to have more. They tick a goal they tick off a, a box, you know, hit, hit a goal and it's like, cool, what's the next thing? There's this constant agitation of, What's the next thing? What's the next thing? There's no rest internally. So even though it looks looks good on the outside, and this is a lot of city lifestyle influences on Instagram, very mode of passion where it looks good on paper, but what they're feeling and how they're experiencing life, it's not necessarily contentment and happiness. They're not thinking necessarily about higher or spirituality, higher thinking, higher ideas of others necessarily. Everything that they do is a little bit attached to some kind of self-serving something or other. The foods that they eat are highly flavorsome, uh, love to go out to eat spicy foods, stimulants, you know, um, high-quality meats and things like that. Um, And they're craving more of that. When they're under that influence, that's how you kind of – that's your operating system. And then the mode of goodness is, you know, somebody who's more inclined to be consuming um, plant-based or vegetarian whole foods. Um, they're uh, living in harmony with nature. So they're rising and going to bed with the sun, the moon. They're eating their three meals, three to four meals a day at the right times, getting enough sleep. They like to take exercise every day. They're peaceful, content, um, not necessarily driven in any way. Uh, when it comes to emotional challenges, they're more likely in that state of peacefulness and contentment and harmonizing with nature. They're more aware of ahimsa. Am I, am I harming others? Is, am I taking stock of my own stuff? Oh, that person that hurt me in the past, being thoughtful and contemplating upon it, being insightful and understanding and forgiving, wanting to forgive, wanting to, to question my life existence is there more, um, being open to empathizing with other people. Um, so these three, these are just very light superficial examples of how we can experience these three energies. And it's not like once you're in it, you can't get out of it. You're, you're able to switch between the two, even throughout, uh, between the three, even 
throughout the day. You know, you can have tomasic moments um, <laughs> where at the end of the day, you're like, I just want some Netflix. I, I know I should be working, but I'm just going to Netflix and I'm going to eat a bag of chips. Uh, I'm going to, you know, chase it down with a Powerade and then I accidentally fall asleep. And it's not like, oh, I'm feeling Thomas. It's the end of the world. Get up, shower, ref- refresh, get on the yoga mat chant some beads, chant some mantras, get back into (laughs) a more mode of good estate and you can roll on. Um, But as far as healing goes, um, imagine that you didn't know that these three energies are at play. And so you might be covered by Thomas because of of, um, substance consumption, um, the food choices that you make, sleeping patterns all over the place, um, and somebody's coming at you with really good intentions to help you heal and they're like, you know, you just need to do some yoga. You just need to drink some green smoothies. This is really going to help you. And the person in that mode is like, that tastes like swamp food. Like I can't know. It's, there's this gap in this person's good intention. Oh, this really helps me. This is going to really help you. Me. Pardon? Yeah. You're talking about me. <laughs> Not mentioning any names. No. <laughs> um, so what I, what I found with the Mahagunas when it comes to healing and health is that they, they tend to be this missing piece of the puzzle in being able to understand and assess where somebody's at and meet them where they're at um, and, and create a change process for them that understands that there, these, there are these influences at play. There's no use talking to somebody about all of these cool, awesome, um, mode of goodness, health things. If that person is in a mode of ignorance state, because fundamentally they're just, they're not going to be attracted to it. They're going to be covered by their, the, the thick fog of mode of ignorance. Um, <laughs> so from a health perspective, um, I think it just breaks down another layer of understanding and empathy where we can go and better assess our clients um, and work with them really small step by step and rather than try to impose ideals on them directly. So, and, and as I mentioned earlier about, you know, I, it, it's not that we want somebody to be perfectly perfect in the mode of goodness all the time. Um, it's just that their experience of healing will be fortified and supported by living a more mode of goodness lifestyle. And, you know, going from a tamasic lifestyle where if, because say we take away the vice and they're completely vulnerable and trauma and past experiences hurt starts bubbling up and you're in a mode of ignorant state, the experience of trauma is going to be intensified. It's going to be amplified in potentially a really negative way. And there isn't the lifestyle and the support and the emotional, um, state to be able to cope with and identify with and talk out your, your trauma in a healthy way. So at least if we take the time to work with people on, and really working from a lifestyle perspective, it doesn't mean that we stop doing the work on mental and emotional stuff. It doesn't mean that you stop going to your psychologist, your counselor, whatever it is that you're doing. It just means that in the background, we're making these slow organic changes to your health, your diet, your lifestyle, And then when you do feel a little bit more grounded in the mode of goodness where you've got regulated meals, you're eating mostly vegetarian food, you're sleeping well, then when you do open up Pandora's box or you do start to really let go of some of the vices, you're cushioned and supported by the mode of goodness in a way that allows you to 
question and dig a bit deeper and inquire about your existence and life um, instead of going into um, naming, shaming, blaming, which is what happens when we're in the mode of ignorance or a mode of passion being in that zone. It can be like success is the best revenge or I'm just going to, I'm guilty of this. I'm just going to have a Range Rover and, and I'll be healed. Like if I can just get that thing, you know, then everyone will know. Then I will know that I've made it, you know, whereas mode of goodness, healing, like there's such a doorway into healing and to being able to have stuff come up, release it, talk it through and actually learn from it and grow from it. And potentially, you know, um, yeah, it, it can be just a really nice transition into spirituality because um, it primes us for those bigger bigger questions, you know, engaging in meditation practices. Um, whereas if we try and do that right from the get-go, I'm not saying that it wouldn't work. Absolutely. Like the power of yoga and meditation, yoga wisdom can cut through all of the modes. But if you're somebody who's like, I want to be here, which is what my experience was. It was like, yes, give me more of that good stuff. But oh, I'm still stuck in all of these bad habits, you know, and like, how do I break free from that? Um, and I think it's this like understanding that these energies are at play. Um, and if you can understand that, and you can comprehend it, then we can start to, and you can see the criteria of each, you can start to self-identify and self-assess and go, okay, I need to shift the, my environment or I can look back and go, no wonder I'm feeling super covered by the mode of ignorance right now because I did all of these things over the week or over the weekend. Okay. Time to start exercising, time to start eating whole foods and, and getting back on track. And it seems so simplistic, but I think we've all experienced it. You know, when you've had a, even just on a basic level, when you've had a Netflix and chill weekend for two days straight and you must finish the series in two days um, and like all the food that you consume, like convenient foods and you come out of it and you're just like, when am I? Who is the like what? <laughs> and you have this like heavy covering, um, and it takes a little bit of cajoling and, and and agitation and exercise and fresh air and eating good food, and all of a sudden you feel like oh I feel myself again. So you know it's it's a it's simple. Uh, it's not always easy, but I think just that understanding alone can really help us understand that it's it's the influence of our environment, what we eat, what, you know, who we hang out with, who we, in conversations that we engage with, what we watch, all of that makes such a big difference to how we feel. Um, it's, it's not woo woo. It's not, it's not something that is like, am I imagining this? It's like, absolutely. So if you stay relatively, I say 80, 20 is great. Um, that's not science-based. That is just me practically thinking like reasonably. Um, if you try and live your Monday to Friday pretty routined and healthy and well and have a bit of flexibility on the weekends. Um, She's generally- not talking about using smack. Maybe, no. <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, maybe a pizza. <laughs> pizza or an ice cream <laughs> or no a smack. late night. <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, so, yeah, so it's just, it's just, it's so simple. You know, even children can understand it. You know, we can all feel it and experience it. I know you can all get it and relate to it. And it's not about being perfectly perfect in the mode of goodness. And it's not about, like we were talking about earlier, it's not about going, oh, well, I'm not you know, I'm not in the mode of goodness, so I can't go to meditation or I'm feeling too tomastic to go anywhere. It's like, no, your meditation is your trump card, mantra meditation, yoga wisdom, the spiritual stuff. 
thread that through everything and then complement it with this lifestyle shifts and change and understanding of these thing, energies at play. Um, and it will just help you integrate more of it in a way that is simple and straightforward and doesn't require any, you know, technical dieting and stuff. And, and disclaimer, always keep up with your medical advice. Like whatever you've been told by your doctors, maintain that as well as some of these, um, you know, holistic approaches to, to health. Quantum leaps are never good or easy and they don't, and they don't last. They just, they just don't (laughs) last. I'll just, I'd like to, uh, step in there and just say, if anyone is thinking what on earth has she just been talking about? (laughs) These, these three modes of material nature, and we use the words energy and no one likes energy, but this whole world is vibrating atoms, vibrating held together by energy. It's what it is. I'm sorry. So if this is blowing your mind, um, I apologize. It isn't it obvious that when you can be subjected to act against your own will, that you are not in control and are being controlled by something else. And any addict can understand that that is a fact. I have lost, I have directly experienced that Mm. I am not always in control. How often can we not control what comes out of our mouth, our anger, our, you know, habits, eat what we eat, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Everyone can experience that we can't always control ourselves, Mm. which is really unusual, isn't it? And there's these three modes ignorance passion and goodness there's only three they made it really simple which blows my mind that it is that simple Mm. the mode of ignorance i i i from what i can understand and you can probably confirm whether i'm right or wrong but (laughs) but um the mode of ignorance is more or less an expression of i want to escape i want to feel i want to feel good but i don't want to deal with reality and it is it is you being allowed to to slip into a delusion mm-hmm. into a black hole and you're choosing that by your own desire i want to turn the world off i don't want to deal with this shit mm. symptoms of the mode of ignorance which okay let's just describe a drug addict okay fatigued mental health problems addiction you don't know what's true anymore and you're full of doubt isn't that hell isn't that a description of hell? That's the mode of ignorance, and that's coming from a, a, a decision to, I want to escape from reality. Mm. Isn't using drugs doing that? Mm. Asking it is given. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, you're cho- and, you, and, and that's a choice. And, yeah, obviously you're attracted to shit food. And, you know, I, I, you know, and that was my life, that I was completely in the mode of ignorance for, like, for so many, I think from birth, born, spawn of Satan, devil child, doesn't eat vegetables, nightmare pain in the ass naughty <laughs> and then does drugs um and you know just mopes around sleeps all day mm. in the mode of ignorance it's a fact mm. attracted to all things bad mm. unhealthy alcohol or just had a, ha, just a, a, an intrinsic attraction for these things that i can only explain as being in the mode of ignorance mm. the mode of passion greed and frustration being the characteristics of being in that mode and i think i think isn't it amazing in this world how we're like encouraged to be passionate it's like oh you should ah. be passionate have you ever have you ever googled that word that for the definition have you ever looked up the definition of i've passionate? never looked at the definition there it's where you are so overwhelmed by your emotions that you can barely <laughs> control yourself 
which sounds horrible. That's shit. The worst. That, yeah. that's so, so basically, the mode of passion is you're not in control. You're so driven and so uh, your own personal ambitions are so motivating that you're mm. going to neglect everyone around you mm. and you're just going to be in a world of frustration. And which it's is, lim- yeah, and that's like one of the, the biggest glorified things in the world right now is passion. And she has such a passion for what she does. And it's like, yeah. And you've just got to find your passion. It's actually selfishness. Sorry. Yeah. That's, that's what's been, that's what's being glorified in the world. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it's called buy more stuff. Give us all your money, make yourself look nice, go to the gym, spend all your money. Um, and it's just, a, it's the self-gratifying. Fuel of, it's the yeah. fuel of the socioeconomic system that this world yeah. based on that's, yeah insidious and ripping us all to pieces so anyway that's my little rant on that one but we're keeping it simple simple <laughs> greed and frustration mode of passion selfishness you'll be frustrated and can i say on that note too is yeah. that we are because we've been brainwashed that that's life really is mode of passion most of the time um mode of ignorance is often frowned upon oh they're really not got their shit together mode of passion is like oh she's got it all going on good for her you know and so we are living greed and frustration for so long that it becomes normal and that's just how we always feel and we just learn ways to temper it slightly or not show it because if we showed that we were greedy people wouldn't like us anymore but actually it's what everybody's doing and they're just trying to pretend that they're not and yeah it's really then when you do start to live, and I'm in no, I reckon I dabble probably heavily in the mode of ignorance that often frequent that zone <laughs> and definitely mode of passion when I'm working and stuff too, mode of goodness. I really try. Um, but it's interesting when you do start to get some perspective on these things and you just see it for what it is and you're like, wow, that's kind of nuts that that's the way the world is and people are living like that under this illusion that they're happy uh, but yeah, it's unrest. It's completely agitating. It's never enough. People are unsatisfied. And I have experienced working with women who are multimillionaires and I can tell you, <laughs> I can account to the stress and the distress that they feel and discontent, you know, so yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't actually lead to happiness is the main thing to note. You're an object of envy for a start, and when people envy you, they resent you, and everyone will hate you because they want what you have because they think you're happy. But yeah, because everybody's living in that same zone of greed and coveting and and ambition, and you know, if I could just have what she's having, then yeah, yeah, yeah. This, uh, you know, I mean, that's one thing in my life. I I kind of had enough things to realise that I, I could only have what I had on a bigger level, and. Uh, you know, I, th- I think I've maybe been lucky to that extent, but you know, like no, no thing in the world's gonna make you happy. It's just a, you know, it's a complete illusion. And mm. if you, if that's what you're thinking is gonna make you happy, then I'm sorry, but it's not. Mm. Um, anyway, that's a side point. Mm. The the mode of goodness um, is the the f- last and final thing and that basically is manifests peacefulness and simplicity doesn't it and 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 that's great now people think probably think we're talking about spiritual stuff here we're not are we still totally material plane totally materialistic material elements anything relating to the mind the body the subtle energy it's all material influence it's not spirituality and i think that is another thing that the world is doing right now is there's no actual clear in, in the yoga 
industry. So not talking about yoga lineage and, and real yoga in the yoga industry, the wellness industry, the spirituality, personal development, new age industry, there is no actual definition of what spirituality is. But when you go to yogic texts, it's really clearly defined the difference between spirit and matter and spiritual activity and material activity. It's clear as day. So it really helps us when you have that understanding, it helps you differentiate between what is spiritual and what is not. And so even though we read about these material modes in spiritual texts, doesn't make them inherently spiritual. The mode of goodness is not inherently spiritual. And that's the trap is that if you are um, there and you feel all content, peaceful, and you get attached to this feeling of peacefulness and contentment, and you think that this is it because I feel good and happy and well all the time. I'm happily, you know, in this warm and cushy place of the mode of goodness. Um, you know, then it's, yeah, you kind of, Ideally, from there, use it as a platform to spring into spirituality and, and ask, you know, more about spiritual or inquiry, self-discovery. Start getting really pissed off that people are upset in your peacefulness. Yeah. <laughs> getting aggressive. Like, stop, stop it. Yeah, yeah just leave I gotta, me alone. I've got to move out the country because I can't handle your energy, you know, and <laughs> stop disturbing my peace. So, so, and so, and on that too, like somebody can be in the mode of ignorance and really uptake spirituality and be like, yep, this is it. And they can be living a really unhealthy lifestyle, but be can, but can be really aggressively sprinting forward spiritually. So these material uh, modes don't define where you're at spiritually and it can just support it. And, and from a health perspective, when I work with people health wise, it's, not I'm, I'm helping to support their health and their recovery of their physical health. Um, it's not for me to impose my idea of what their goal in life should be. So I use it in my physical health stuff and, and health practices. Um, so I just want to be clear on that, that, you know, it can be applied in a way that is still on the material level, but, um, and, and it doesn't mean that if you're going to engage in spiritual pursuits that you must be mode of goodness. You know, it, it can you can be living these <laughs> three modes at any time and still be very, you know, dedicated and devoted to your spiritual practices. Here's uh, here's something that I think this is this is the this is the good bit because you can you know you could have been listening to what we've just been saying and you could be sat there self-loathing thinking i can't do that i can't i can't eat healthy i can't stop using drugs and alcohol and if you sat here listening to this then there's a good chance that this is the case but you know it's just worth taking note that it's good to lean in the direction of moving towards goodness at a steady and determined rate but in a very gentle way because i cannot live in the mode of goodness we've had this conversation i'm thinking about pizza right now this is this is a fact <laughs> with barbecue sauce on it full of sugar great I, I, I'm, I'm craving that right now i know that if you'd been telling me this whilst i was using drugs even just not using drugs wasn't possible and the problem mm. is that you are being dominated by these modes so you might not be able to stop mm. but there is a trick isn't there mm. the trump card <laughs> spirituality would you, would you like to explain uh how you can 
Um, I've heard someone use the word spiritual bypassing, and what I, I and I think it's a great term, really. Because yeah, we want to use it and dovetail it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 really the way I kind of think about it is that life is really hard, um, and I've actually read this in scriptures as well in yoga scriptures that life in this era is so hard, it's so chaotic, it's so confusing that our spiritual practices during this time in history must be simple. Otherwise, there is no way that people can make spiritual progress. So we're so fortunate that that by the, practice, the simple practice of adding mantra meditation to our lives, we can make spiritual progress. And all you have to do is be in the presence of mantras. For both of us, you know how you said you felt self-conscious with, with the kirtan or, or chanting yoga mantras. I remember when I first went to a kirtan, it took me probably a year before I actually sung. I actually, I went there because I was like, this feels good. Can't deny it, but I'm not singing. <laughs> um, and I loved the yoga philosophy talks that were often presented. And, and it wasn't until I met somebody personally who I really gelled with, uh, another yoga teacher. She took me under her wing and taught me to play the guitar. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try singing now. Uh, it took me some time. But just by osmosis, by being in the presence of sacred sound, the energy, talking about energy again, spiritual energy will penetrate whatever shit show you're in and does the work on your consciousness. It does the work on your heart. It's the direct medicine that you need to get through the anger, the greed, the lust, the selfishness, the jealousy, the shit that you're holding on to, like the, the pains and stuff that you've been holding on to for God knows how long. This is the medicine. And um, so... Sorry, that's my phone, which is on silent, but it's coming in my computer. Should, should I think maybe should we um, put some links in the notes for things that people can do if they want to uh, explore this process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We will do that. If you for think sure. of some ideas, I'll, I can think yes, of a couple of ideas. Yes, I'll send you through well. some links because you know it's like what what blew my mind is this would. So I've had people, I've had a bit of feedback being like. Um, you know, what we do is a bit too spiritual. <laughs> and I would offer you the perspective that you don't know shit about recovery. Mm. And, and and I say that respe as respectfully as possible. Um, and if you've made it to this point in this show, then I'm sure that you're kind of on board anyway. But like what, what blew my mind is, you know, obviously I suffered my whole life. I knew, I knew it all and, and I had a shit time. And then, and then I found this yoga thing and I had to kind of surrender a lot of stuff. Uh, and it took me quite a long time to get into the process. And I, and I read, I've read a lot of stuff. I read the Bhagavad Gita, read and, and, and other things and, and, and then kind of got like a, a pretty reasonable picture of what it was all about. And, you know, in, on a more technical level. Mm. And then, and then I, and then I looked at Jesus Christ teachings and I was like, holy shit it's the same mm. and then and then i looked at the 12 steps and i was mm. like holy shit it's the same mm -hmm. and i'm like all right well this is true isn't it and this mm. is the pro these are the processes that work mm. and get people off drugs and alcohol because mm. as we've learned these are the by s serving the spiritual energy you can be given the strength and power to overcome the material energies which control mm. you yep yeah. And isn't that like, wow. And yeah, it's not actually. It's, it's, it's almost like you said earlier, it's like, it's almost too simple, but there it is. 
As <laughs> <laughs> the thing is too, like you get to a certain point and you're like, how much longer am I going to bang my head against this brick wall? Yeah. You know, like going down that material realm. So then it becomes like, okay, I've literally got nothing to lose. Why not try something that's free? I can do it privately. Nobody has to know. <laughs> you know, like I when I started adding yoga mantra to my life, um, they taught us how to do the japa bead meditation at the end of the classes. And I saw the beads and I was like, oh, my God, I've got so many gemstone bracelets that look like that, you know, with the little – that snap onto your hand with the little head bead. I just went home and cut them all up and made this beautiful crystal rainbow um, 108 string of beads. And all – I didn't take anything out of my life. I went for a walk every day, like I mentioned earlier, listening to Wild FM – on my CD Walkman thing, my Discman, and I thought, okay, well, I'm doing an hour a day walking. Instead of the CD player, I'm going to take my meditation beads. And that's how I started, just doing an hour a day of that. And I didn't have to – I just felt like I didn't lose any time. I came back from those walks and I just thought, oh, my God, I finally feel like I've had a rest. I finally feel peaceful. I started sleeping better. Um, and I just loved that time of the day. Every time at sunset, I'd be like, yep. I'm going for a walk and take my beads. Didn't think anything of it. Um, and then, yeah, it just, it just became such a part of my life um, from about age yeah, 18 or 19. And it's the one practice that I've really held on to that you can access it anywhere, anytime. But I didn't think anything of it. Like you don't have to, you don't have to really apply yourself. You just you know, you can start with 10 minutes or five minutes or what I even recommend with clients now is that just listen to a seed, like the CD, the meditation CD for five minutes when you wake up in the morning. You don't have to do anything. Just be in the presence of the mantras. Let them enter into your consciousness and the healing happens. The process starts to happen. And the more you kind of break through this covering, um, the more you're just naturally attracted to it. So you don't have to think about taking anything. Don't think about giving up drugs. Don't think about changing what you eat. Like to start with, just add the mantras to your life and allow that organic process of transformation to happen naturally. I know I'm contradicting myself by saying, oh, you know, live a more mode of goodness lifestyle, but it will help you if you add the mantras first. It's easier, it's more direct, um, and it will help your heart more and decrease the severity of like the feelings of loneliness, shame, emptiness, guilt, all of that sort of stuff, which makes the physical process of change a little bit easier to cope with. Um, so anyway, yeah. Adding mantras to your life, that spiritual energy is just such a great first step to take. Um, and it's so simple, so accessible. Yeah, and as as you kind of go, because it's kind of like an excavation process of trying to find you underneath all the shit, isn't it? Yes, it's kind yes. of like, uh, and 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 as I say, this is for some people will be completely like, what are they talking about? But it's like when two people can sit there and tell you that they were completely fucked, and now that they're actually sat here happy yeah. and not yes. craving drugs, not yes. craving, uh, not not self harming, and and all these other things, it's kind of like, yeah, I wouldn't have believed it either, honestly. Yeah. And, and it I was think, completely nuts to me, but it's had a... Yeah, just a, and the, the, the testimony too to recovery, I think, and this process is that I have been through hell a couple of times since getting out of hospital. So over the past 10 years, 
I've definitely had a few rock bottom times in my life um, and found solace in my spiritual practice as opposed to vices. So that's where I really believe recovery is possible. One of the things about recovery, all forms of recovery, and especially this one, is that it's not dependent on anything temporary. And that's the, the, the scariest thing about uh, you know people in the world is that they're taking shelter and finding comfort in something that is going to leave or change at some point and mm. it's not and, and it's just every and it's sad to see how everyone is in such a vulnerable situation mm. uh you know we put all of our eggs in one basket so mm. to speak and and it's tragic to see people doing that because it's do it's it, you know it's bound to uh, end in, in in suffering and yeah. these things even even if it's not this form of meditation that we're talking about even if it's just the 12-step program which focuses on qualitative things it's not focusing on objects it's focusing on on metaphysical things that you can do such as um not being angry forgiving people um being selfless learning to love compassion all these things Mm. that you can do regardless of the situation and it gives you something uh, it gives you a eternal process where it's like mm. no matter what's going on around me i can do these things mm. and you know i personally you know i like to focus on these transcendental sounds because it's 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 just so, it's so easy and it's ridiculous and mm. uh, and everything that's attached to it is is just wonderful that i've personally experienced yeah most people have the same um experience in 12-step programs where they find a community of people who are all saying i don't want to use drugs anymore i want to be a better person mm. uh, and 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 these things but finding these yeah it's kind of like i just did a detox with sammy um uh, i'm not going to count this one just gone because i really made a complete <laughs> fudge up of that one but we're going about at christmas and i did i did really well i impressed myself i was actually given the strength to actually uh succeed at the first two weeks mm. five weeks was a little bit over That's the top long. for me yeah but two yeah. weeks i did really really bloody well and honestly yeah. i have never felt better mm. but what was interesting is it's not you don't focus on on the food that much do you which very is interesting simple, very very simple framework which is yeah it's interesting because my background is ayurvedic nutrition and with yoga therapy there's you know a big nutritional component there but I found that working with people is well well my goal for working with people and helping people is not to put all your eggs in your basket of nutrition because you're digesting mentally emotionally you could be digesting spiritually as well there's so many other ways to contribute to health other than food you know and I think the world gets so hyper focused on diet um um, but diet becomes easier and sensible food choices become easier when you're sleeping well, when you're, when you're in a positive environment, when you're spiritually fulfilled, you know, when you're exercising, like simple stuff um, and let's, yeah, and, and then just a simple framework for nutrition and eating um, that people can maintain no matter where they are, no matter what stage of their life they're in, you know, like keep it simple, I think is a really great way to focus on nutrition. Yeah, there was some amazing things like, you know, if, if it makes you really happy, maybe it's better to be eating that than than going full hardcore 
salad and, all day yeah. every day vegan and if yeah. you you know if you having a pizza settles your mind a bit then maybe you know having that one pizza is kind of like actually better in this in this full scale because it's not and kind context of like, like yeah and that's i think that's something that I talk about a lot is context. And I think everybody wants to dogmatically follow a plan or be given the golden ticket to just do this. And this, if you just follow this plan, your life will be sweet. And it's just not that simple. And what I love about Ayurveda and yoga is that it actually asks people to take responsibility and to refine their awareness and discern and use their intelligence and not just follow blindly. And all of those, it helps you cultivate all these amazing qualities and, you know, with nutrition, yeah, especially for people coming through addiction, a little bit of food vicing, like using food as vice, is a safe, natural progression when you're replacing that vice from something toxic to an unhealthy food, you know. Cool, let's do that for a while and then slowly progress away by slowly adding in exercise, sleep, healthier foods one switch out one meal a day like not feel like it's this or that all or nothing it's a it's a slow gentle process and and that's where I talk about meeting people where they're at and holding their hand and trying to work with the person as opposed to dogmatically following a prescription which is what we see a lot of um throughout the industry I guess generally speaking yeah it was quite nice while I was doing that thing and it's kind of like oh I feel like this and sometimes you just don't get the you know, every every response that you gave was kind of a gentle one, and it's not like, oh, you fucked it. It was kind of like <laughs> that, every time it was kind of like, oh, that's all right, and it's like, oh, is it? <laughs> is it all right? I don't feel like it's all right. I'm giving myself a mental psychological beating here. Mm. I'm just kicking myself in, and uh, it's kind of all. Right. I mean, like, so I wanted to do this this last detox, but I just was not in in the headspace for it i've been so stressed these past three months dealing with visa stuff uh and you know like and you know the material stability and stuff like that and it's kind of like if i tried to do a diet or, or, or detox a diet's not a good word is it a detox right now i it would stress me out too More much stress yeah i'm just staring at some i, I mean i'm experiencing psychological and physical pain from mm. trying to do it. And I was just like, I, I, I know in that situation, I'm thinking, why am I, what, what's the problem here? Cause it's not the food, is it? You know, why, yeah, why am I stressing? The stress and the fear and the anxiety and, and then looking at it holistically going, cool, self-care is important. Sleep is important. Making sure that you're feeling grounded um, and focusing on those things. And I think that's where, you know, and that's kind of why I, I shifted my consultation process away from that traditional framework to coaching was not to in any way be like, I'm a coach, you know, which is such a buzzword these days, but mm. to really work with people and, and be very strategy focused and in the now and work with people in their current circumstances and helping them make decisions in the moment as opposed to yeah, dogma, following, dogmatically following things because it's, it's just not that simple. But the more you learn to discern and reflect and build that awareness and connection with yourself, the easier it is to slowly coach yourself through these processes. It just takes time to learn. That's all. That's why I always offer six-month or year-long pro year programs because I actually know how long it takes. Um, and I'm constantly getting people to slow down, which – Initially, they're like, isn't that counterproductive? And then they, 
then after some time of doing that, they're like, thank you so much for giving me permission to slow down. Because when you slow down, you can finally be mindful and you can see things as they are, as opposed to the supercharged mo- emotion of, I've got to keep going, I've got to keep going, you know, which is the society's momentum. If we can just like slow down and get into our own zone, um, it's just such a, that, that foundational slowing down and building connection and awareness is such an important part of healing because without that, you're just constantly switching from one external thing to another and not able to adjust and acclimatize things to suit your situation. Mm, two questions. I think that this ties in massively. This is, this is what's been the, 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 the thing that I think's made the biggest difference and, and allowed me to, uh, move towards the mode of goodness, want to take care of my health, find some more kind of equanimity and balance. And it's kind of brought all these things around. And I, th- I think that it's having purpose in my life. Because I think before I had a purpose, I was always trying to seek enjoyment out of things. I was chasing one thing, chasing the next thing, and I was just on this big chase for the next thing. Mm. And once I had a fa- started doing something more purposeful in my life and I started break the chain, it gave me a reason to get off drugs. It gave me a reason to um, start looking after my health. It gave me a reason to eat the types of food that allow allow my mind to be more um, effective and efficient mm. and, and have clarity and and needed to be in this kind of mode of goodness state where it's kind of like i i need this that i need to, i need i need to be and it gave me the reason do you think mm. that having purpose is a, a a really important factor yeah i do definitely think like in our, in my framework for healing uh one of the steps is service so transitioning out of focusing on myself and my health and getting my own life on trap track and then stepping into looking for a way to be of service. And that ties into karma yoga. Um, and then more into higher rungs of yoga as well, depending on how, where you're at spiritually. Um, and I think, you know, that sense of, yeah, meaning and purpose in our life is something that we're all searching for. And it's inherently there because what is the purpose of our existence? What's the purpose of my life? And I think that from a material perspective, I think there's a differentiation there that's really important. From a material perspective, when you're healing from something like drug addiction or recovering for something or just unhealthy and you're, like you're saying, you need a reason to pull you through that, um, having something um, can definitely be a good, strong motivator, something that you're working towards, a reason for doing it. Um, An even better motivator is something that I'm doing for others, like in your situation, uh, which was my experience as well. How I could use my life in service. I could be helping people. That for me was a really strong motivator and it's inherent in our nature because when we feel that, it awakens something inside of us that's already been there dormant but covered by these material modes. Um, so when we get in touch with that, it's this feeling of like, yeah, this feels right. This makes me happy. And it's because it's our true nature. Um, spiritually, ideally, we're moving more into that what is the purpose of my life and self-discovery and the the development of the understanding of myself, my position and my purpose in life in a spiritual context, I think is the most important purpose to cultivate. But I I also respect that not everybody's ready to hear that, but I think it's really important to have a differentiation between in my material life and in my 
relation to health and healing, yes, having a reason to heal can be such a huge gear shift and can help things click over, um, but not to confuse that one reason or that one purpose with my ultimate spiritual purpose and making sure, yeah, yeah there's a differentiation there. There was a, there was a real progression with me through those things as well. If you're in the mode of ignorance and you're a complete drug addict, having wanting to st- wanting stuff is a bloody good step, isn't it? It's like, yeah. I want something. I want to go to the gym and get muscly. I want to, I want to yeah. start a business. I want to go Which is snowboarding. That natural progression <laughs> from mode of ignorance to the mode of passion. And that's, that's mechanically how we do it. We don't just go zoop to here. It's like, waking up out of the mode of ignorance, getting agitated, moving through the mode of passion, doing all of those things, and then kind of going hopefully in that more mode of goodness direction as well where we start to go. And with all of this energy and health that I have, how can I be of service, you know, and what's my purpose? Yeah. That was, you know, after I read, you know, I went because I went into the mode of passion and then I tried my hardest to suck that one dry and I became so (laughs) frustrated and and then in in a completely sober state with money and and a good house and all these things are like i've got the worst the most depressed and anxious i've ever been sober not on drugs but isn't that i mean that's that's such a huge point to recognize too is that reasons why people don't want to get out of because they may have gotten to that point and being like well fuck what why why am i doing all this what's the point and then regress back because you get there you labor intensely you sacrifice to make progress materially and you get there and you're like is this it? I still feel really lonely and annoyed by life and nothing satisfying me. And it's easy to just, you can see how people go backwards back into oh, yeah. relapse. I, well, I was, ter- that's the worst I'd ever been. I couldn't, I didn't get a moment of relaxation. There was, that didn't exist. I was riddled with anxiety. My body mm. was full of adrenaline and cortisol. I was just jacked up, sore muscles. I had to keep getting massages. I didn't do anything. Mm. I was just like, I was just, oh, it was rotten. Mm. And what, and the point that I'd missed is that I was still only thinking about me and what I was wanted. Yeah. I was, it was all about me. Self-absorbed. Completely self-absorbed. I was thinking about Amazon business, being, working on a laptop, going snowboarding. I wasn't hurting anyone. It was like, oh, I'm not that selfish. But it was all about me. Mm. And that that was the point that I'd missed. And then when I read the Bhagavad Gita and I learned about karma yoga Mm. and that it was the process of basically surrendering the fruits of your action. So when you do something for someone, and that that made me realize how selfish I was. Mm. I was like, I was someone who thought I was a nice person. I did kind of nice things for people. But then I was always thinking about myself. I was, how am I going to look when I do this nice thing? I was just going to say, it's that catch of like, I'm going to perceive, be perceived in this way if I'm nice to other people. So it's still reflecting back on building our own false ego. <laughs> totally self-absorbed. All, yeah. and, 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 and that process, the, there's two things that happened. One, I started being honest. And the second one was I started giving up it all being about me and started doing nice things for no reason mm. other than doing nice things mm. for the good of it, just, mm. just doing something nice. And that was really, really hard. And, but like that really made me take a good look in the mirror. And that was, I think that was like really the start of my spiritual life when I started doing that. And then obviously progressed on to, um, you know, doing them for the Supreme basically. Mm. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, that then, then life really got good. But, you know, not everyone can handle, you know, and, and do what you can. Maybe you're not ready for like these bigger ideas, but 
you know, start somewhere and keep chipping let, away. Let at them it. seed in your consciousness that there's more to life than what's being shown to you in this, you know, on the internet. Yeah. It's amazing. It's been an amazing journey. I feel grateful to be able to sit here and uh, say that and, and to have discovered these things and because that, you know, that they have been the, they have been the pieces of the puzzle really. And mm. to be able mm. to actually feel whole. Yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know it was possible. Mm. I thought it was just, yeah, incredibly frustrating. One, one, one last question, because I think it's an important one, because I think that story that you told um, about, you know, um, you know, self-worth, the bulimia, the self-harm, can't have kids, ending up working in a strip club. I know so many people who have gone that have had that exact same story. That story is so common mm. and it doesn't sound like it should be, but it is. Mm. And do, I mean, do you think that the self-worth had a, an enormous component in, in, in affecting all of those things and, how did you find self-worth? Uh, I wouldn't – yeah, okay. Well, one thing that really – I think when I stopped chasing self-worth was when everything changed, when I discovered yoga and it was like, hey, it's not about me and I'm serving others and serving others is where happiness lies. Serving the supreme is where happiness lies. Um, all of a sudden it's like self-worth. What even is that? Um uh, and it's only taken me to this past couple of years after a few <laughs> rough big things that challenged my thinking. I'm like, oh, my decision-making process in life sometimes would reflect challenges with my understanding or perception of myself. Um, but I think I, if you can relate it back to less about self-worth and more about what's important in my life and am I, what's my purpose in life and Am I building a life through my decisions that I'm making, the actions that I'm taking on a daily basis that's directing me towards that purpose? Because when I'm doing that, I feel safe, I feel whole, I feel happy, I feel content. Um, and that's really, it kind of just throws the whole self-worth thing out the window. Um, and I would consider myself to be a pretty confident person. I have actually struggled with anxiety, shyness, nervousness since I was a kid up until about five years ago. I was really, really nervous and anxious. And, um, you know, they call it, I think they call it like high social, oh, what is it? Like high functioning anxiety or something like that. Um, but anyway, I came, I came across uh, a quote from our spiritual teacher, which we'll be sharing links off links links of from more wisdom that you can soak up but the the quote was first comes self-discovery then comes self-esteem and I was like yes that's my experience is that if you can't if you don't know who you are if you don't understand who you are in essence um it's it's any any feeling of self-worth uh, it's kind it's almost like is it is it really self-worth or what's it built from where is it coming from is it false ego driven is it because I believe I'm awesome <laughs> is it because you know I'm attributing my self-worth to achievements that I've had or things that my mom has told your me my body. whole life about myself sorry or your body 
yeah. being, the, being the biggest you're... the biggest pain that we're all yeah. suffering from is thinking I am my body this is me uh, or my intelligence, in the- you know, yeah. thinking like I'm really smart and that's where I'm getting my self-worth from is that I know I'm really, I'm really smart. But when we attach our idea of ourselves to or our worthiness to these transient things, um, it's, it just, it's a recipe for disaster. Um, and I kind of feel like it doesn't actually yeah, no, it's it's a it's a big topic of contention, the whole self worth thing. But I think when we take the focus away from ourselves, when we shift it to a purpose driven life, um, spiritually fulfilling life, it's almost like that gets taken off the table because your life has a direction and it's a narrow road. You it, by making that decision to live life in that direction, kind of all this other stuff just falls away. It's not even really on your radar. So. Yeah, it, it, it crops back up now and then, but you kind of know how to do it. But you just follow the process, exactly. Re, re, refocus, and then it just melts away again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Sammy. It's been amazing. For anyone that says we talk about spiritual stuff too much, have that. <laughs> stick, yeah. stick around your sacral chakra. <laughs> um, can you tell us about some of the things you, you you do? Everything. I mean, you're just doing. It blows my mind how much <laughs> stuff you're doing. Speaking I of passion case, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, how, how do you manage? And, and just tell tell people about all the amazing things that you do. Because yeah, wild. well, one way that I would love to, if anyone's listened this far, you're amazing. Um, <laughs> it's been a long banter, but. Yeah, I mean, I would love to help anyone and and this is why I do the work that I do and there is a free group that James is in. We'll post the link to that. You can join that and just private message me, introduce yourself or post in the group Um, because I run free things in there regularly now. So we do really easy cleanses like James was mentioning. Um, It's just a nice group, little healthy healthy zone you can join in. Um, and I also have some really low cost, uh, long-term lifestyle programs as well. If you're at a place where you're just super ready to change and to explore all these things we were talking about from the mode of goodness lifestyle to the meditation, uh, I run virtual, uh, personal training group classes and, uh, yoga sauna classes with some meditation at the end as well. And classes on some of these concepts, like weekly classes on, these concepts that we're talking about. So if you do want to dive deeper uh, and you're not sure where to start, it can be a nice place to drop into. It's very gentle. It's very welcoming. It's a positive environment. It might be just a step in the direction of exploring something new that has the lifestyle stuff and the spiritual stuff in a community of, of like-minded, supportive people. And it's Live, Live to Serve Academy, Live to serve. isn't it? Live to Serve Academy. We'll post the link. So, yeah, my, my so the whole business is centered around um, offering Ayurveda and yoga in a variety of different ways to, to people. So we have low-cost entry programs for anyone who can just get in touch and start transforming their lives and just taking steps in that direction all the way up to I run um, yoga teacher trainings and health certification trainings as well with this modality that we've been talking about. And it's amazing because these things are actually 
that if you if you want to change your life and have lasting effects, then Sam is the person to go to um, because it, it works. And 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 as I say, like I am a spawn of the mode of ignorance. <laughs> I I I eating is something I struggle with, and I managed to do a two week de- detox. You did a pre tox. You don't just go straight into it. You it's a very gentle. Very gentle. Everything's gentle. Thought and, it and, out. And, and, and Mindset focused as well, like meeting people where they're at. Yeah, it's so thoughtful, and uh, you know, I highly recommend checking it out. And I, I couldn't recommend anyone better to check out when it comes to um, these these sorts of things. So, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Sammy. Thanks it's been for amazing. having me. It's been Great to chat super, with you. Super interesting. Um, yes, and um, like if you like if you like what you heard, share it with people, pass it on, um, follow the Break the Chain podcast. I don't know if I ever tell people to do that. Do that. <laughs> tell your mates to do it. Tell everyone to do it. Force people to do it. Just walk up to people in the street and say, follow this. Um, because I haven't been doing it and I feel I've got about a year's worth of catching up to do on that. So, but yeah, thanks so much, Sammy. And um, yeah, thank you, everybody. I'll see you next time. Thank you.